Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. episode 544 of Longbox Heroes, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. I'm Todd, the guy with the good memory, and here's my co-host, Joe. How you doing, Joe? My memory is like an Etch-A-Sketch. I shake my hand and my head and it just goes blank again. <laughs> right. You got a memory like a steel sieve. <laughs> oh, it's been 544 episodes, and all it takes is two to mess me up. Not yeah, the previous two. 540 whatever. Yep. Uh, two of anything always gets me, so. Mm. But. So, Todd, what do we got on the show this week? Uh, we have a San Diego Comic-Con updates. Oh. Uh, <laughs> easy, big guy. A uh, bunch of TV talk. Um, and comic and video games together again. Also, a return of fan favorite segment. Seems like there, there's a lot of them lately. The Rob Watch, Joe. Um, free digital books and sales. Uh, what we read last week, which was both Crossover and, uh, number four and Two Moons number one. What we're looking forward to this week. Todd and Joe have issues. Uh, Todd's Art Attack. And then at the end, spoiler-filled talk of the penultimate episode of WandaVision. Yeah, those are all the things that we're going to talk about and more. Right, I probably missed something, but go ahead. No, you didn't miss anything. I'm just glad you remembered uh, the Rob watch, because that's important. Now I just got to remember the pause. That's right. <laughs> so, uh, as Todd mentioned, uh, we had an announcement this week in regards to San Diego Comic-Con uh, that, unfortunately, the scheduled July date uh, is not going to happen. Aww. They're going to be doing the Comic-Con at home yet again. Um, now I, I give them kudos, of course, the organizers of this and who is the, the folks who do this, uh, WonderCon, uh, no. So it's WonderCon already got canceled because WonderCon was supposed to have been what, like this oh, month. Okay. Yeah. I thought you meant the group has a name or something, but yeah, I could have swore the group does have a name, but whatever. Right. Um, go ahead. No, I just, yeah, I guess that was supposed to be earlier this month and, uh, that got canceled because obviously we're still not ready, but uh, San Diego is always like around July. So this is, I guess, you know, you want to get a running start at it. We're only, you know, three months away. Right. And, and it says that they are happy to announce that they are uh, at least planning something in November. Right. Something smaller, apparently. It won't be the full blown. It won't, be Wonder, right, it won't be WonderCon, it won't be San Diego, but it'll be something run by those same folks. And I believe by then that could happen. I heard news that, you know, we're supposed to have a vaccine for everybody by May. Not, like, injected, but made at least. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So, I just wonder about, because I, I don't think there's a New York one this year. I haven't found a date. And the only other one that, like, I, I see on the list is Baltimore still there. And then there's, like, a December, which is always a good time to go to Chicago for C2E2. Because remember they moved uh, Chicago last year and, like, wasn't Chicago C2E2, like, the last one before everything officially shut down? Right. And then I think, like, uh, they, yeah, I don't remember on that one exactly. But something like that. 
And the convention scene website is like super broken these days, you know? Well, it's not its fault, I don't think. No, no, no. At least you're not going to uh, Facebook pages, so. Yeah, at least there's not that. Um, And, you know, it looks like, well, and again, you can't use that as a gauge, but like Megacon in Florida claims that they're shooting for the end of August. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned nothing about New York, of course. They're having a ton of those like digital online things. You yeah, know what I mean? but yeah. like to pin down a date for like they're like, oh, we're thinking. I haven't seen anything. Right. I'm just trying to see if any of the bigger ones have any sort of definitive things. You know. Right. Like Heroes Con. I'm looking to see what Heroes Con has, if anything. Right, that's the big, like, the one that doesn't get all the press New York and San Diego does. Yeah. Uh, They're shooting, like, mid-June, it looks like. Right, you know, get the date. If you have to cancel, you get the the cancellation insurance, Joe. Uh Uh-huh. You still have your days uh, marked off not going to work for Baltimore? I do. All right. I do. So we'll see how that goes. But, you know, and, and that's obviously the thing. You know, you're going to see um, San Diego kind of being the, the charge that's led by everyone else, you know? Right. Uh, so comic book news, and this is a big one that came out. Uh, so big that I had to alert my son. <laughs> and the fact that it wasn't in the normal May, D.C., etc. solicitations even though it's coming out in May, and it's a Batman Fortnite comic book. Ooh. Uh, Written by Christos Gage with art by Riley Brown. Uh, It's going to go digital first, of course. And then the uh, print issues begin the first week of May. Looks like it might be a bi-weekly series, at least. The way that it works out. But the the kicker to this is, is that you're going to get exclusive in-game skins. Right. Now, Todd, I know you're more of a video game guy than I am. At least you've played a current game. Well, and again, listen, you know, in the last year, I've probably played more current games. And by more, I mean a current game. Animal Crossing. Animal Crossing, right? I'm still the one that got on it in the pandemic and is still playing it to this day, you know? I- there's one other that I well, love. Always looking... Yeah, you guys are dream coding each other. <laughs> um, but you know, you you know, you'll play a Red Dead Redemption or a Grand Theft Auto or something, you know? Right. Even a a stray Batman here or there. Right. But my kid plays the Fortnite and a lot of those skins that you can get for certain characters, mm-hmm. a lot of times like once they're gone, they're gone. Right. Um, and they'll come up for like limited times and Fortnite lately. And I saw a lot of people like, it's like, I just say like Fortnite is essentially Funko pops. It's just like, there's everything in there. So there's essentially nothing in there because you really can't like, oh man, it's great to wait for this one exclusive skin. It's like, well, there's six exclusive skins a week and it's every licensed property ever because Fortnite's the biggest game. So on the same week that you get, Flash skins based on the TV show, you also get uh, Xenomorph and Ripley skins for your characters. 
now are you like serious? Like, cause I think that's a great thing for the game. I now see I do too, but I see people on like the the long term died in the wool Fortnite players complain about this online. I've seen that. They're like, yeah. And then I've seen like comic book fans like too, like like, oh, going to Fortnite and you know, this and that uh, you know, they're they're not real fans reading the comics. And I'm like, people, just you know, you Don't do care. your thing. Do your thing and let them do theirs and, like, whatever, you know? Like, when there was that Thor story with Fortnite in the, like, in the middle of the book. Yeah. It's like, oh, here we, you know, this is where he got knocked to wherever. I don't need to read this. There's Fortnite characters I don't recognize. Page turn, page turn, page turn, page turn. Oh, we're back to our regularly scheduled story. I'm good. And I don't get hot about it. Right, and see, I, I, anything like this, as long as it's not detracting from the main storyline or mm-hmm. compromising the so beloved integrity that seemingly <laughs> only a handful of people care about, right. if this is what gets, you know, Fortnite the biggest played video game in the world, if that gets those people to buy a comic book, I don't know. I Last time I heard uh, comic books was a business. <gasps> When did that happen? Right. It happened when this Fortnite book comes out. That's right. Um, like, the only thing that I ever care about, and that's not me, like, is if, like, the Fortnite starts affecting the stories proper. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then I might have a problem. It's like, okay, if you're going to, if you're, if the next big Marvel event book is Fortnite versus Marvel, then right. I might be like, all right, we've gone a little too far here. And that's the thing. I, and if that does happen, I could just not read it. Right. I'm There's not enough gonna... other books out there for me to read that hopefully won't have their continuity mucked with by whoever the company that runs Fortnite is. Right. That would be DC because they can't afford it. Oh, my goodness. They're too busy sinking money into the Snyder Cut. <sighs> well, you know what? Actually, we're going to get to that here in a minute. <laughs> okay. <laughs> A lot of executive decisions are being made on this episode of the show, okay? You you do you, brother. I'll try to surf your waves, man. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, just getting back to the Fortnite book, um, there's skins that you can get. There's going to be new skins, and there's going to be skins that were previously in the game that you can't get anymore, that you can only get by buying the book. And then if you get all six mm-hmm. issues, and you've redeemed all six of the codes... You get a special Batman Zero armor that you can only get that way. Ah. Now, you telling your son this, does he have any interest now? Absolutely. Okay, so he has interest. Now, let me ask. He has interest in the comic, or he has interest in Batman being in the game, and or both? He has interest in me getting these comics so he could redeem those things. All right, so I'm... But no, like, oh, I can't wait to read these kind of a deal. No, but maybe he uh, will. I I may force him at threat of not being given the codes that he has to read the books to get the codes. Ah, good to go. Yeah, I'm looking forward to see how this works out. Right. Maybe he'll come around and be a Batman fan. I just want him to read more. That I, that's true. I you know. I agree. You know, when, Maybe. when I was out there for my lunch today and he's in his virtual classroom and he tells his teacher, I don't have a favorite book because I don't like to read. Oh, like, oh that sucks. <laughs> and Joe just with sad trombone turns around and goes back into his office. 
Yeah, well, uh, me and my wife are readers, you know. She's reading all the time. I, I try to read as much as I can, uh, mm-hmm. time permitting, but, you know. The only thing I can't read is signals. That's it. Yeah. So, uh, like I said, I'm looking forward to this coming out. Uh, Christos Gage is a, you know, a, a journeyman writer. He doesn't usually write crap, you know. No, he does. I he's a solid writer. He's one of those guys that I've given a chance at like, you know, 95% of the time that he, like, unless he's doing something that I really don't even care about, but I'll always give him a shot if I can, you know, all the way back to that Deadpool mini that got me on board. Dead, not uh, dead shot. Yeah. And he was like co-writing stuff for, uh, Dan slot when Dan slot was late on stuff. Not late. No, no, no. He was helping uh, for Avengers Academy and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Superior Spider-Man and Spider-Man and everything else. And Iron Man 2020. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, news pertaining to us, important to us, that um, Legends of Tomorrow returns on May 2nd. Mm-hmm. It's moving to Sunday nights. <sighs> Good for me. I have nothing to do on any Sunday, any given Sunday night during this well, time. It does, uh, it does coincide, of course, with uh, wrestling for me. Oh, does it really? It does. Oh no, that's such a shame, Joe. No, it'll still be watched, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't watch anything as it actually happens. Right, but is it going to put a, cr- a crink in your style? With no. uh, because you'll have the Sunday night pay per view, then you'll have work. You'll have to get up very early in the morning after watching, staying late into the night to make sure you get all the good news about your wrestling pay per view. Then you have Monday night Raw, mm-hmm. and then you have Tuesday doing the show, and then so you have to get caught up because there's a Wednesday wrestling. Then Thursday you do your show. You're going to be crammed. Plus in there you have like all the like you know uh, Todd and Joe have issues and movies and. Oh my God, you're gonna be you're gonna be crammed with work, Joe. I I already am crammed with work, but what I'm saying is I'm sad that Sunday uh, it's being moved to Sunday because Sunday's kind of like a death slot for TV. No, it's not. It's gonna thrive there. Well, if anyone could make it work, it's uh, our beloved legends of tomorrow. That's right, bringing their quality wig work to Sunday nights. <laughs> Joe. So that leads us into the other item items that we had and one of the other things that got announced was the uh marvel modok animated series that's going to be on hulu for some reason right that starts on may 21st okay okay and uh i'm reading the comic book that's inspired by this uh co-written by pat oswald and jordan bloom pat oswald who i'm a big fan of the decision is being made, Todd. Okay. Certain things are not being watched. What's for not the being show, watched? For the show. Okay. WandaVision, obviously, we're in on that. The Flash starts this week, so we'll be talking about The Flash next week, right? Mm-hmm. Then in two weeks, we have uh, Falcon Winter Soldier starting up. Right. Invincible. We're going to watch that at our leisure. That's not for the show. Okay. Not grandfathered in, but again, looking forward to watching Invincible. One of us, anyway. On my own time. Mm -hmm. 
Legends of Tomorrow, May 2nd. We're good to go there. Uh, Loki on Disney Plus apparently starts June 11th. Right. I assume we'll be having that as part of it. I'll be watching it if you if you are too. So okay, and I'll make the and the executive decision is being made now. Mm-hmm. This will not be the podcast you'll be coming to for the up to date Snyder Cut Justice League discussion. What? So why? What? <laughs> this is the movie we've been waiting to we? see half. Yes. What, I got a mouse in my pocket. I was going to say. Uh, um, we've been waiting to see the first half of, and we'll never see the second half. So, Because the four-hour, one-minute cut of a movie that was just okay at two hours and 20-some-odd minutes mm-hmm. now has a cliffhanger for a new part. That we'll probably get. I'm going to tell you. Somehow, some way, Somebody is going to get the WB executives to go, you know what? Maybe we should do that second half. I, I, I don't know. I'm like, I'm at this point, like anything can happen. Do you believe in miracles, Joe? Because uh, are you going to, even though we're not going to discuss it on the show, are you going to watch it? I am going to attempt to watch it. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. But there's no way I'm going to be able to cram it in for the four hours in between the time that it comes out and the time that we record the show, just for the reasons that Todd mentioned before. <laughs> right. I'm glad you do a wrestling podcast. That gets me <laughs> gets me out on this. Yeah. I don't know why you're trying to get back involved in this. No, let's watch it for the show. You watch it for the show. Oh, no, no. I, I'm just saying how sad I am for all our Snyder fans out there that I can't see it with you together. Mm-hmm. You know, hopefully I'll have the vaccine by then. I could have came over and could have got the pizza with the onions and watched or ate. Uh, what is it? Uh, Big Belly Burgers or whatever. Got that mother box thing for 90 bucks. I would have put uh, Impractical Jokers on instead and see what happens. <laughs> well, that happens. Yeah. All right, so that's the that's the TV schedule here. And I don't think there's any movies coming out anytime soon that we have to worry about. Um, May is still supposedly supposed to be Black Widow. They haven't moved it yet. I was discussing this with the bassist the other day because I don't know where the movies are going to go because I didn't realize Shang-Chi was this year and Eternals and then Spider-Man in December. Like there's four, there's supposed to be four Marvel movies this year. Yeah, it still claims that Black Widow is May 7th. I think at some point Disney's just going to put their foot down and be like, put these movies out. Like, we can't stop the train at this point, you know? The only thing that I think is that's keeping uh, uh, Black Widow is that it's probably really not tied into anything. But when you, like, definitely, like, if Spider-Man was next, I do believe that has something to do with the multiverse and stuff like that. Yeah, because didn't they announce, like, Spider-Man's going to be December of 2021? Yes, like the Christmas movie, apparently. Yeah, there you go. So there's a lot, there's a lot of moving parts there that I don't think Disney, like, Disney's at this point, like, yeah, let's, let's, let's get it moving, kind of a deal. Okay. So I'm updating our list. Mm Mm-hmm. See, I'm on top of this stuff. 
I just don't email you about it. Well, some stuff you do. I'm putting, I'm putting Black Widow on there as May 7th with a question mark. Sure, because it could move, you know? Yeah, yeah. If not, I say we just buy out the theater and me and you go. If they allow that again. Because remember, we were going to do that for Wonder Woman, and then like a week before, they're like, no, nah, we're not doing it right now. Right. Well, now that they're opening everything up, uh, we'll see. I, I have a feeling theaters will be opened in, in May. At, well, like at- I know um, our uh, local multiplex is doing like the closed circuit gimmick like they would do once in a while for like a boxing fight or something. Right. They're doing it this weekend for the uh, All Elite Wrestling pay-per-view. Oh, are they? I yeah, I would never know that, but yeah, and I think they're doing like dollar off chicken tendies with your ticket or something. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Some you sort will... of thing like that. I don't know. All right, for an extra two bucks, you get a little bit of the bubbly. Oh boy, is that still a thing? Am I current? Am I am I hip? It's still it. It's well, <laughs> those are many questions that all have different answers. <laughs> okay. I'll tell you one thing that definitely doesn't have an answer, Todd. What's that? Ask not for whom the Rob trolls. The Rob trolls for thee. And now, the Rob Watch. It's the return of the Rob Watch, Todd. We had a couple weeks off. I'm woefully behind on the Rob's podcast, but I'm like caught up on everything else for my podcast. So I could start with, uh, you know, like two months ago's uh, the Rob podcasts, right? You could go on a binge with the Rob. Mm -hmm. Okay. A binge just for uh, the podcast. Right. Podcast binge. That's what I meant. And I, oh, and uh, yeah, and I'll have that for the end of the show. Okay. okay, so this past Friday, right, mm-hmm. Marvel, through their website, um, if you're like Marvel Unlimited, you have the annual membership where you could pay a dollar amount to attend a virtual event called the Deadpool Nerdy 30 virtual event, right? Mm-hmm. And it was a bunch of people like on a Zoom call. They had a bunch of um, like Fabian Nicenza, Ed McGinnis, Joe Kelly, Gail Simone, Daniel Way, Jerry Dugan, a lot of people that had worked on Deadpool. Right. And then they had previously recorded remarks from some of the biggest creators that have ever done the Deadpool, including his creator, The Rob. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, while this was going live on Friday night, The Rob was doing some running commentary on this. Right. Um, And I guess I'm surprised that this did not hit the dirt sheets. I'll say that again. So uh, The Rob starts things off, and many of these tweets are deleted, right? Right. I I was right in the pulse of things to grab (laughs) them. I'm like, oop. I I, I got a feeling that one's going to get deleted, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So he starts it off by saying, I named Deadpool, designed him, gave him his origin and motivations, and anyone else taking credit is trying to rewrite history. And then someone says, oh, well, what? who do you mean? And then the Rob in his back pocket has, like, this article written from who knows when <laughs> of Fabian Nicenza saying that Rob created Deadpool's name and look. I came up with his snappy patter. So then uh, the Rob uh, 
all the butt all the butt hurt in the world in this excerpt, which is the full article that this is from, and a lie to boot. The image guys informed Marvel we were exiting months in advance, in my case, seven months. Some guys in comics just make up stories repeatedly. Um, and then it's a thing from that, a continuation from that whole thing where he created the snap, Fabian Nicenzia created the snappy patter of Deadpool. Uh, in my opinion, Nicenzia says, they were waiting as long as they possibly could in order to sabotage the production of these books. The longer they waited under the assumption that they'd still be drawing those issues, the harder it was going to be to get quality people on those books to write and draw. They were hurting for no reason the people they'd worked with for several years who helped them get to that level. To this day, I think this was a bit of hypocrisy and mean-spiritedness. To which the Rob then also tweets, uh, I'm sorry you guys paid any money to watch this guy lie his butt off. Really pathetic. Uh, that was deleted. Wait, royalties <laughs> are being paid off Agent X2? Calling my attorney. That one's deleted as well. Um, and then out of nowhere during all of this, he says, haters gotta learn to spell Spider-Man. There is not a stroke in the title. Deadpool is most definitely a Spider-Man knockoff. With guns and swords. And then it's a whole bunch of people like, here's right in Spider-Man's book where it says that it's with a hyphen, which mm -hmm. Rob calls a stroke for some reason. Because <laughs> he's having one, I think. Oh, boy. And then there was a video that the Rob brought up that he always likes to bring up the five ways that Deadpool is not a ripoff of Deathstroke. Oh, God. Where it was filmed a couple years ago at some comic book um, convention. And I'll say that the Rob is very excited and very animated in discussing all of this. Wow. But I just find it funny that the Rob was involved in this, probably got paid to be involved in it, had a video message during the course of it, and then spent his night while it was going on burying the whole thing. Right. Um, can we do a video of the, the, all right, with the five things that why Deadpool isn't Deathstroke, but here's the thousand reasons he is. <laughs> well, but listen, yeah. uh, Deathstroke's colors are orange and blue. Mm -hmm. Deadpool's colors are red and black. Completely different. Right. Uh, <laughs> Deathstroke wears chain mail and has buccaneer boots. Which the Rob uh, repeated many, 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 many times. <laughs> right. Where Deadpool does not, he just wears spandex and, you know, regular costume. And you can't um, even see his feet half the time. Right. Uh, Deathstroke uh, is bulky and Deadpool is like thin and skinny. Uh, Deathstroke is an old man with an eye patch. Deadpool is uh, a scarred up uh, guy mm -hmm. and their actual characters are completely different. Those are the five reasons that the Rob gives five total legit reasons. Joe does not mention the fact that one character's name is uh, Slade Wilson and the other character's name is Wade Wilson and doesn't understand how that could be drawing some comparisons between the two characters. I, I still don't understand how it could. I'm I know. with the Rob on this one. But my thing too is like cuz I saw the I saw the tail end of this 
Because yeah. I saw you, like, obviously, you know, tweeting, like, woof. And I'm like, God, I don't even want to know. I don't even want to know. And I, w- I was like, all right, let me go over. And I was like, and then he was like, oh, I broke my number one rule, not giving, like, you know, uh, any advertisement to these these kind of people. And I'm like, okay, something happened, but it's all wiped away, like, you know. <laughs> and then he's like, they're like, man, Rob, you're mad. I, I, I don't get mad. I was not mad. And I'm like, I have a feeling you were mad. <laughs> like, it just—I love the the ability to just go. No, the thing that you like saw, like that, like me and like either all capitals are losing my my stuff. Uh, is just like you know I wasn't mad at all. I'm like, come on, man. Just like, I would like to see the Rob once in his lifetime admit he was wrong. And I, you know, I, all around, I think that's what it comes down to me with the Rob that it aggravates me and it aggravates me with a lot of people that I know is he always has to be right. Like he'll, he'll fly, he'll connive, he'll do whatever to make whatever he's saying seem true and could never just go, you know what? In that one instance, I was (laughs) wrong. Like he's like Fonzie. He can't say he's wrong. He thought he was wrong once, but he was mistaken. (laughs) Yes. Right. So I'm glad the Rob is back and I'm sure no one will do anything to uh, draw his ire yet again. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, so one thing fun. that won't draw your ire, Todd is the soon to be named network at soon to be named network.com soon to be named network.tumblr.com where you can find any and all of the shows in our network of friends and cohorts and like-minded individuals, whether it be this show that you're listening to long box heroes Longbox Heroes After Dark, At Odds with Wrestling, Final Wrestling Place, Puzzle Warriors 3, Profane Arguments, and at the very least until the middle of April, Wednesday Night War. Okay. Maybe uh, Wings on Wings will return. Ooh, I hope so. It's been a while. We'll see how, lo- we'll, we'll see how loose those restrictions are. And how cheap Wings are at that point. They've gotten expensive. I Listen... Uh, I went and got Chinese food today. It's usually after dark talk. But uh, there's more after dark talk that I'm saving for the very end of this episode. Okay. Uh, Follow up from after dark if you already listened to it at the $5 level over on the Patreon. Oh, boy. I can't wait. Um, But there's a sign up at the new Chinese place that says there is an upcharge of $1.45 if you order chicken wings from the price that's on the menu due to... Uh, you know, the increasing price of chicken wings. Right. Like that sign is right up there next to everyone coming in must wear a face covering, keep six feet from everyone, no more than five people in the waiting area at any one time. Chicken wings are a dollar forty five more. <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta let people know. People get mad when they get overcharged for wings, Joe. Mad. I get the same thing at this new Chinese place, and I don't think my total has been the same twice in a row. <laughs> and you know what I do, Todd? Eat I it? Don't, I don't care. You just take it home and eat it, right? I take it home and eat it. Mm-hmm. So uh, back to the plugs, of course. And anytime <laughs> anyone appears on any other shows, uh, those shows will be up at soon-to-be-namednetwork.com. It's your one-stop shop. For all the people in the soon-to-be-named network to keep track of everything that they're doing. 
Uh, if you check the show notes for every episode of Long Box Heroes that goes up, you can find information about our local comic book shop, Comics on the Green. Uh, they do a very brisk mail order business and a mail order subscription business. I would say it's just as good, if not better, than your actual in-person subscription business because I don't get some fancy drawings with my in-person picking up my books like the mail order folks do from our friend Becky, who you can go check out her Instagram for a lot of her original art that she's doing. You can also check out Friends of the Shows and a lot of their creative endeavors, Jason Sandberg's Jupiter, uh, Digital Comic, and Chris Runt's Battle Monsters. Uh, both of those are available on Comixology. Uh, the Chop Shop, Rick Williams, a lot of his resin work that he does, a fantasy, sci-fi, wrestling-related things. And a uh, friend of the show, Kevin Hellions, we're adding this to the list. His website, Mast Library, he just did like a whole slew of articles and videos over on his site. He's been hitting up like thrift stores and Dollar Trees and all <laughs> sorts of things, like finding like those get three comics for a dollar sort of things. And he's found a lot of really interesting things in those packs. So go check out all the stuff that Kevin's doing there. Sweet. Digital books and sales this week. It's a new month beginning. So it's like a new slate of things. Uh, very few holdovers from last month, last week's last whatever's. Uh, I think the only things that are left over is the image romance sale and the IDW Transformers sale. Mm -hmm. Marvel is having sales on Psylocke related things, which I think could be a first in the history of a show to have a sale dedicated to just Psylocke. I don't know. Was maybe there was one during like the one X Men movie she was in? Let me search. If I search our site. Mm hmm. It will pull up if Psylocke has been mentioned. Because there was the, uh, 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 who was the Apocalypse movie? She was in that. Had like seven lines. Maybe less. No. This is the, f at least in the 10 History. years or whatever it is that we've been doing the show, there has never been a dedicated Psylocke sale. So breaking new ground. That's right. I guess, I don't know, Psylocke must be doing something in an X-book to, to necessitate such a thing. Right. Uh, Marvel's also having a sale on War of the Realms-related stuff. DC is having a sale entitled Teamwork. Uh, not making the dream work, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, a lot of team-related stuff. Justice League, Green Lantern Corps, that sort of thing. Sadly, no Dark Knight Returns, no Batman Year One. Uh, Dark Horse is having sales on video game-related comic books. Uh, Dark Horse and Dynamite also having stuff involving women creators on sale. And Dynamite is having a sale on their James Bond-related books. All of those links will be in the show notes with every episode. Now, let's get into what we read from this past week, Todd. Okay. And I'm going to ask you to start with Two Moons. Okay, uh, image book uh, written by John Arcrudi, and I'm I'm gonna butcher this name. Artist Valerio Gio Redondo Redano Gian Giordano is how okay. I would say it. Basically, this uh, book takes place during the Civil War. Our main character, who I believe his name is Virgil, that's his uh, 
his name, but his he's a Native American whose real name is Two Moons. Um, he's part of the uh, Union Army, and he gets the job to go and get supplies for his for his you know troop or whatever. So he goes with another uh, soldier and ends up going to this nurse who's taking care of a lot of the soldiers who were hurt. He's having visions. And even when the book starts, he's sleeping and there's like these, whether he's having dreams or these shadowy creatures that are walking through the camp and stuff like that. So there's kind of like a supernatural kind of tinge to it. Um, he gets there, they get the supplies. The nurse kind of takes a shine to him. Um, and while he's there, he ends up seeing someone he thinks is his grandfather and he's talking to him and he's like speaking cryptically and then he looks away and looks back and he's laying dead on the, the thing. So he's not sure what he saw, but the nurse is definitely like he's been dead for a while. So that's really weird. And then they end up going back to the, the camp with the supplies and the Confederates attack. And he goes off with one of his uh, superiors fighting them and stuff like that. And things go sideways. And now he's starting to see visions and stuff like that. Um, I really, I really, really, this is up my alley. I really like this book. Um, I like the, the, the civil war setting. Um, I love the art on it. It's perfect for it. The best way to describe this book is I feel like this is a book that would have been printed in the heyday of vertigo under Karen Berger. Karen Berger would have been like, just put this out under vertigo. And it's just very like nostalgic for me that I feel like I'm reading vertigo at it's like heyday. Um, so yeah, like I absolutely love this whole issue. So, uh, I didn't feel as strongly about this as you did. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that it was bad by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but I just thought it was okay. Um, Fair enough. I didn't really get into the characters. I didn't really get into the Civil War setting uh, as much as you did, I think. I love the art. The art is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, where it needs to be beautiful. Uh, it's beautiful. Where it needs to be vibrant, it's vibrant. Where it needs to be horrific and violent, it is. Um, I like the design on the creature, not to give too, too much away, but it's like literally like when you open up the cover of the book, it's right there. Right. Um, my only thing about it is every time I look at the creature, it reminds me of what the critters look like from the movie franchise Critters. Mm-hmm. It's like if where the wild things are and Critters had a baby, that's what yeah, you get. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that kind of like takes me out of it because I'm not sure if you know this, uh, those Critters movies aren't great. No, you don't say. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it kind of it kind of took me out of the book a little bit once those characters showed up just because the way they look, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, but as Todd mentioned, if you're into like a Civil War epic with a little bit of horror stuff in there, this might be your book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, oh, and I have to, oh, I'll have to update that. Um. So the other book that we both read from this past week was Crossover Number 4, written by Donnie Cates with art by Jeff Shaw. So I'm going to say, so this, you know, we have the big uh, reveal, and I think we could talk about the reveal from last issue because it's on the cover of issue four. Okay. That the person who is revealed um, to be the savior, the one who's helping Uh, The folks get out of the dome to save the people that made it out is Madman, the Mike Alred creation. I think we said it last week, but I'll say it again, right? Yeah, we did mention before that it was Madman. Right. 
Um, it's just that, like, I see, like, one cover has it, like, kind of shaded and protected for some reason. Mm-hmm. And then I see, like, other ones which is like, nope, here it is, you know? Right. Um, so I guess I, I have to say that this was the, I guess, least powerful issue for me. Right. And I hate saying for me, but my biggest issue with this is, pun intended, we're at the point now where it's less of the broad strokes of comic books, and it's more so directly in Donnie Cates' stuff. Right, his past creations. Right, in that if you did not read specifically God Country, then a lot of this, especially like the back half matter, isn't going to make a lot of sense to you. Which is totally true because I was talking to the bassist the other day and he's like, oh, this and that. I'm like, oh, I'm interested in the group that like reading the mini series that he did. He goes, oh, well, you know what you'd like? God Country. I'm like, what's God Country? And he's like, yeah, well, that's all the stuff in the back with the, with the sword. And I'm like, okay. You know, like I thought this was all new to tell you the truth. Right. And, li- and listen, I got that. But I think if you had read God Country, that is going to resonate and punch a little bit more. Oh, sure. The more you know, the more you can, you know, like it can be like, oh, that's that's really cool kind of a deal. Whereas, you know, the part where they're going through the the museum and you see all the little different bits and bobs and everything, all the different weaponry and suits of armor and shields and ultimate mm-hmm. nullifiers and, you know, just close enough to things. <laughs> right that are in there i'm like oh okay like i i get this i get what you're trying to refer to here um i loved i thought the art was really cool i love that scene where madman kind of takes out all the security guards and stuff oh when he's in a state of yo oh my god that two-page spread looked beautiful right but i i have no problem in saying like the end of the the issue is this whole thing of the reveal of the sword the valifax and then they give you the backstory of what the valifax is and I guess that's enough for us to get us to issue five. Mm-hmm. But I think if I read God Country, if you read God Country, this stuff is going to punch and pop a little bit more for you. I agree. Not saying that this book is bad, but this is the first issue where I could say I did not have all the tools I needed coming into it. Right. I, I, I 100% agree. And there's not much more I can add other than like you said, I love the look of this book. Like Madman, like looks so smooth. Like the way he, like when he's jumping around and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, I'm still on crossover. But I agree with everything you said. And I'll also say this, and I'll probably have to check this out for a couple of the other newer books. Um, I just noticed that Image has on their website, and they do this quite a bit. And I think I have it in the show. Do, do, do I have it in the show notes? And I got to make sure that they updated this. But Image has the first issue of Crossover available online for free. Oh, really? Yes. That's cool. And, like, they have, like, a big, like, page that collects all that sort of stuff. And it is in there. So if you check the link uh, that's in every episode, as I mentioned before, of all those number ones that image gives away i'm glad they are updating it with more new number ones now strangely i don't think department of truth is in here unless for some reason it's listed alphabetically as the department of truth as opposed to department of truth comma the right which could be possible 
Um, yes, they do have it in here under the. So T. So, hey, do yourself a favor. I'm not going to, like, link every single first issue that's in there. But go check out that link of uh, a butt-ton of Image Comics first issues for free. Because Department of Truth and Crossover are both in there. Yep. So no real need to uh, wax poetic on all that sort of stuff, you know? Right, right. Uh, so let's that's what we read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com, every Tuesday around noon Eastern time, we put up the pull post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you get your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. Todd is currently in the lead with one correct guess over me. Can he continue his streak? Ooh. And I pick first. Um, yes. So I'm looking at your list. Very like slender read of a list again for you. Um, I'm going to guess the book you're looking forward to most is Noctera, number one? No, but a flip okay. of a coin on that one. Um, right. It's the it's Swamp Thing number one. Okay. Swamp Thing comma the number one. <laughs> um, Noctera is the new Scott Snyder Tony Daniel book over at Image. I'm excited about that, but again, I haven't read anything from Scott Snyder in a while. He's kind of been the event man over at DC, and I'm not an event man at DC these days, but I'm a Scott right. Snyder fan. So I'm definitely going to check it out. But I did enjoy those two Future State Swamp Thing books written mm -hmm. by Ram V. And it's the same creative team here as it was there. And if there's any sort of continuation either in feel or theme or otherwise from those two issues to here, that's what has me looking forward to that. Right. You, on the other hand, have a bunch of things. Mm -hmm. Flip now, several coins. Right. Now, am I a bad person in asking what infinite frontier number zero is that's the new thing kicking off dc after future state like it's gonna and i guess it's gonna tie into like a mini series a uh, summer event kind of a thing like it's the new rebirth it's the new new 52 <laughs> kind of a deal uh-huh uh best way to describe it is it's gonna be like uh, I, I do believe that it's going to be a bunch of different stories told by different writers, kind of way that Rebirth was, where it's like if you're getting a taste of how all these books are going to spin out, if you get my drift. Is that that book that has the Shazadam in it? Yes. Okay. All of that back and forth being said i think the boat the book that you are most looking forward to coming out this week is suicide squad number one it is not <gasps> because right. we've we've had a couple of suicide squad ones recently swamp thing is starting yet again but i'm kind of pumped for the crime syndicate miniseries i'm a big sucker for the anti whatever the, whatever version they're going to do this time because they're i think tweaking it yet again there was the great one of the few stories that i really loved by grant morrison was the earth 2 hardcover that he did um i'm a sucker for the crime syndicate so i'm looking forward to this mini and the only way i found out it was a mini is because the cover actually has one of six on it which was 
interesting to find out. Which I think Swamp Thing. I'm trying to remember which other one is o- is only going to be certain amount of issues too. Uh, but I, don't either- think, I don't think Swamp Thing's a mini. I know we talked about it. I think Batman Detective is a mini. Right. Um, I don't know what one it was. I'll have to find it uh, and get you the the information. But one of the other ones is one of ten. So I don't know if it's Suicide Squad or Swamp Thing, but I saw the cover. And it's tough because there's been so many Suicide Squad number ones lately. Yes, there have been. In the past year, this will be the third one, I think. Yeah, unfortunately, the way that it's on DC's site, you can't see what it says on the cover, you know? Right, right. And if you give me one in... second, I can let you know. Okay. okay um, but on, yeah, second. so Crime Syndicate, um, that was the, like, I, you know, Infinite Frontier, whatever. I was definitely between Suicide Squad and Crime Syndicate, but Crime Syndicate it is. Um, like I said, I don't think the Swamp Thing is a miniseries, but I certainly could be wrong there. Um, it's just that in the body of the text on Crime Syndicate, it says this six-issue miniseries, you know? Right, right. I'm taking a quick look at something now mm-hmm. um, because I just want to slow the show down to a grinding halt, as we often do. No, that's okay. That's what this uh, is for. Swamp Thing is one of ten. Wow, interesting. That's what it says right on the cover. I had to search some files if you get my drift, Joe. Mm-hmm. So no movement there. Nobody got anything right, but we'll have some interesting stuff to talk about on the show next week. Um, head over to longboxheroes.com while you're checking out the pull post to check out everything else that we have there, uh, which includes past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, as well as the smash hit sensation Todd and Joe Have Issues, which has returned for 2021 in a very weighty, very heavy way. <laughs> Lots Thoroughly. of extra reading for both of us. Um, so I uh, got to read for the first time The Secret Origin of Jonah Hex. Through shocking. issues 13, 14, and 15. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how shocking it really was, to be honest with you. So art by Jordi Benet. Right. Which was fine, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got no... Um, I got no concerns or issues there. So Jonah's origin is told through an ongoing story of him trying trying to stop some guys running some guns uh, from Wyoming to Utah. Right. So we get to a point where Jonah guns down a bunch of the folks, and then the guy who's in charge of them, whose name escapes me, says, I should have left you for dead all those years ago, or I should have finished the job, or whatever it is. Flashback to six years ago where this guy and Jonah run afoul of each other. And this is where uh, Jonah has the drop put on him. He's wearing his um, he's wearing his um, Civil War uniform because he's fighting in the war. Right. And. He gets taken over by some of the Yankee soldiers and they send him down the river and this nice family finds him and they kind of nurse him back to health. And there's a part where like 
the son is asking the man who's nursing him back to health, like, why are we doing this? Aren't these people our enemy? And it's like, well, you know, we really should help, you know, a, a person in their time of need, if you will. And the guy essentially says to Jonah, like, you know, if they come looking for you, you know, they're eventually going to find you. You know, you, you're going to have a horse and some munitions to get out of here, essentially. Mm hmm. And those guys do find him by also posing as uh, soldiers of the South. And there's a lot of not-so-thinly um, implied misconduct. Again, this is the <laughs> all-ages show, right? Yes, right. So, again, I have to remind myself this is a non-comics code, non-Vertigo book. So there's a line that they're walking here, you know? Right. But this allows Jonah to kind of take care of these guys and the man of the house, unfortunately, in the crux of all this, he is shot. Jonah assists in burying them. And this is the part of Jonah's origin where he gets his raspy voice. Yes, I did like that, that that take on it. Yes. And it looks like because this is where he kind of they ruin his eye, too, because the one guy tortures him by whipping him and ends up. Looks like it blinds him in the one eye, but uh, that's going to come in the next issue, whether or not, because it's not really, really thought out. But the guy who he's going to kill is the guy who was torturing him uh, through the through the, the the orders of the upper up above him, who's the guy who he really wants because he's running guns. He did this to him back in the day. And apparently he wiped out a, a, a tribe of Apache Indians to American Native Americans. Right. And. We get to issue 14, and this is where we learn of Jonah's connection, too. It's always been talked about and teased and mentioned and passing, but this is where we get that origin as we're introduced, at least here for the first time, to Jonah's father, Woodson Hex, mm -hmm. who surprisingly is not a good person. <laughs> no, he's not. Um, treats his son poorly. Uh, when his son back talks him, he... Puts him in the outhouse in the back mm -hmm. for Jonah to crawl himself out of and then says, okay, you were able to survive that. I guess you're man enough to come with me on where, where were they going again? I forget. He's going to California to find gold. Right. To, to okay. start his. Right. So, right. Because on their way there, that's when the Apache get the drop on Woodson and Jonah. And Woodson says, listen, uh, let me go. Give me safe passage. You could keep my son as collateral. Do with him what you will. And I'll be back in six months and I'll have enough gold to buy him back in triplicate. Mm -hmm. So the Apache, you're like, sure, go ahead. And then I like the next page is like two years later. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah. He went off to drink his money away, Joe. So Right. Uh, so Jonah is essentially a slave of the uh, Apache tribe, but, you know, he's, you know, keeping his mouth shut, trying not to cause an issue until one day he ends up saving the chief from being attacked by a puma. Mm -hmm. And this kind of gives Jonah some status in the tribe that he did not have before. Um, this allows Jonah and the young lady in the tribe to White maybe fun. pursue. I'm sorry. White Fawn. White Fawn to pursue their um, possible carnal desires when uh, Nantante, who is the son of the chief, 
decides that uh, Jonah has curried his father's favor too much and does everything that he can to have Jonah run out and says, hey, Liz, and Jonah's like, listen, whatever problem you have with me, let let it wait until tomorrow. We have a, a, a raid planned on the Kiawe tribe. We're going to steal their horses. Let's go do that. And then you and I could settle up with whatever, whatever beef we have. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know who won the pony on that raid? Uh, Nantante betrays Jonah, shivs him in the leg, leaves him for dead. But then Jonah, left for dead, overtakes the entire Kiawe tribe by himself. Right, as, as he does. As he does, right? So that's kind of how Jonah is left for dead, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and does Jonah return in this issue, or does Jonah return in 15? Again, reading everything together, it kind of rolls no. together, you know? He returns years later in oh, issue Oh, he returns 15. in issue 15. Okay. Yes. Because um, in going after the head of the gun runners, one of the people that Jonah ends up saving for assistance is the great Iroquois warrior Widowmaker. Mm-hmm. And I liked he and Jonah having an almost Tango and Cash-esque relationship. Yep. Like they were, a, I want to read a buddy cop comic of these two. They're the best. Because this, it, you know, obviously of uh, the 15 issues of Joan I've read here, however many issues of All-Star Western I read since, and how many more I'll read after this, I can probably count on one hand and still have enough fingers left to pick the pickles <laughs> off of my McDonald's knockoff Chick-fil-A sandwich. Um, <laughs> I haven't gotten it yet. Stop it. I got um, it. That's all I'm going to say. Jonah has a, a, a playful for him relationship with. Right. Okay. So it's at this point, um, uh, Widowmaker is like, why do you care about these people? Why do you care about this tribe who did this to you? And mm-hmm. obviously with Jonah, it's a situation of honor. We get our flashback of Jonah coming back to the Apache tribe. Um everyone's like oh how could you be here uh nantante is like no no he was left for dead i can't believe he's back so they're going to have a battle to settle their dispute nantante gives him a gimmicked up uh hatchet that he knows will fail during their fight it does but jonah of course knew that this was going to happen had a sword on him or a knife Mm -hmm. and just stabs nantante in the heart (laughs) But of course, by doing so, it brings uh, the Apache or like, well, what you've done is bad. You've cheated in this fight. Even though my son cheated against you, there's no way to prove it. Obviously, there's a way to prove you cheated. So now Jonah uh, gets the mark of the demon where they heat up an, uh, a hatchet and they burn his face. And that's how Jonah gets the lovely mug that he has today. Yep. So now we're back to the raid. And uh, their main thing is they got to make sure that they take out the Gatlin guns. Mm -hmm. Because the Gatlin guns are these newfangled things that can mow down a whole army of men. Um, Jonah comes in to meet with who's the guy in charge of all this is just who Jonah just comes and says, hey, listen, uh, I killed your guy. All your weapons are gone. You're not getting that. Mm -hmm. And 
Jonah essentially is just like, I'm doing this because not long ago you slaughtered an entire uh, Apache tribe. And this is like kind of your comeuppance. You know, yep. they raised me and I'm here to avenge them. And of course, Jonah does. Yep, because basically this through most of the story, you're thinking he wants the the Ackerman is the guy's name that you think he wants him because he tortured him all those years ago. Right. But it's really more because he wiped out the tribe and more of uh, because he was betrayed, but whatever, but white. Uh, white fawn like he, the love the early love of his life he ends up killing too in that in all of that stuff so he he's kind of like that's his revenge and that's kind of like the secret reveal of the end of this but uh i really like this because earlier on too like when he's with when the father threw him in the outhouse he's like he gives him the set of rules he's like you don't want to be like me boy i'm broken and if you don't want to be like me honor your debts do this and he goes down the list and in like the couple issues that we're reading, you kind of see like the stuff that I was trying to point out um, that like he has a sense of honor and he doesn't take gold that doesn't belong to him. And you could see now why he, he, he's got a soft spot for abused kids. You know what I mean? Like, and I'm like, I just really think overall, it's really great. Uh, like weaving a weaving the fabric of this character like it's all there and now after 13 or 14 issues you see it you know what i mean so i don't know just for me i like this is one of my favorite origins and in the story of it like his mother has left him for like uh, a sales a, a traveling salesman like jonah's been betrayed or lost every person that he's ever loved and it and joe it don't get any better from here either so um, but yeah, I, I just, I really like this origin. So, and they only tweaked it slightly from the bronze age. There's a couple of different things in the original bronze age. Uh, Ackerman doesn't kill the, uh, the tribe. Jonah comes back to the tribe after being scarred and the chief goes, you, you were never supposed to come back, but he comes back to save a woman that they've kidnapped. And the chief ends up killing white fawn and Jonah kills his sur surrogate father. But they're like, Ah, that's too much. We're going to take it out of the second batch of of the origin story. So there's some tweaks, but I just thought you might find that interesting of the the changes that they made. Nope. So I like this um, as well. And I know that you said that the secret twist is supposedly that Jonah is coming to avenge the tribe that raised him. I don't know. I felt that the story kind of laid that out very clearly that that's what Jonah was after. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, but that was just me. I'm like, okay, that makes. I'm like, uh, it didn't come as a shock to me. It's like, oh, I can't right. believe he's doing it for this reason. Right, it's completely I, I, off kilter for what Jonah would normally do. No, what I mean, it would not so much the shock, but I do think you were like, like uh, it, when you get to the second issue, like because he shows up, he's like, oh, what are you here for? He like. Uh, definitely in the first issue, he just like, oh, you killed a bunch of Apaches and this and that. And, uh, you know, and then they show the origin of him being tortured by them. So you're like, okay, that's the story. And then the second issue, you're like, you start putting it together. But I don't know. I, I guess I'm kind of doing it wrong, but you get it. Nope. You get it. You're doing it just right. So speaking of doing it wrong, it's time for <laughs> the Spider-Clone Saga. Right. Which my first issue was, uh, what is it? Amazing Spider-Man 397, um, which was, I believe, a Mark Bagley art. Um, and once again, J.M. DeMatty's writing it. And I can always tell when J.M. is on the book because the writing is usually above board. You know what I mean? Yes. Um, and this is one of those. Like, definitely 
uh, when I'm writing, I'm like, okay, I see. I don't know if it's because I saw his name first or whatever, but I definitely think he, you know, we've always been a fan of, of his writing. So I'm just going to say that right out of the gate. And then Mark Bagley doing the art, which I, Mark Bagley on the Mount Rushmore of Spider-Man artists. If you had to pick four Spider-Man artists, it's Mark Bagley, uh, Steve Ditko, Ramita Sr. And Todd McFarlane. For me, that's the, the Spider-Man, you know, Mount Rushmore. So I have no problem with his art. I'm not even going to, you know, touch anything on that. But the book starts with uh, Peter pretty much being poisoned from a virus from the vulture that's been mentioned. We didn't see it, but don't need to. I'm up to date on that, apparently. Um, <laughs> he's being watched by Kane, um, who once again is like, oh, our twist of fate, we're intertwined, blah, blah, blah. I'm okay. Like, let's move on, Kane. Um, as you know, even though Jam is pretty good at it, but uh, P- Peter's having like these weird visions of being in the tanks in the Matrix movie, which you'll find about out about Joe. Um, so as that's going on, but that's because I think he's close to Kane the same way Ben was having visions when he was near Kane. Um, well, that he like ends up you know passing out, and then Doc Ock finds him, and this is the Doc Ock I love pudgy you know he's got the bowl cut he but i will say uh bagley makes him look smooth man i do like him in that outfit with the with the arms and everything and he goes off and it's a very interesting because i'm not a big like ock guy i don't know his history i know like he was dating aunt may and stuff like that but he goes in he's like you've changed man like he's he's talking to him he's his passed out body's like you're not the same you're this angst ridden you know what happened to the fun loving and i'm like ock is us you know what i mean <laughs> like doing it but it's it's really cool and he's like you're not worth it right now i'll come back and he ends up leaving him and uh, at this point, like MJ is back in town and she's like, I've lost touch with Peter and the place is a mess and he's changed. So she's once again, like Peter ain't what he once was. And she's really like tired, Joe, for some reason. Don't know why. But uh, then we cut to a bar and there's this woman called Stunner, which the only thing that I did look into on Stunner, because I don't want to know anything about her, is if this was her first appearance. Because if not, then I know she has a history beforehand and I should know stuff but it turns out this is her first appearance and she's in a bar ready to take on all comers if you know what i mean and then you're all not man enough and she wrecks it and she's all like tough as nails kind of a thing but but good looking too joe i guess that's why they call her stunner and uh ox shows up and surprisingly they're a couple I'm like, a couple of what? I don't know. But it's interesting to see. And he ends up talking to Stunner about, uh, uh, you know, Spider-Man, how, 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 how he is and everything. And in the middle of this, Stunner goes off for, like, leaves and talks like, I don't know where she went. But she went to find Peter, who wakes up, and he ends up, like, getting his, his clock cleaned by Stunner. And, uh, in the end he's, she's like, you're not the man Ock made you out to be, I don't know, like this and that. And Ock shows up. He's like, oh, so you came back here, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I don't know what's wrong with you, but I'm going to find out Spider-Man. And he ends up taking off the mask, which shocked me. Cause I didn't know at this point if he's finding out who Peter is, or if he's always known who Peter is, well, not always known, but he found out along the way. Cause I'm not a you know, who knew Peter's identity at this time? I knew everybody would lose it years later, but uh, that's the only question I have at this point was whether Ock knew or he was finding out when he took the mask off. Uh, well, they, he talks about it a little bit in Spectacular 220, which we'll get to. 
Right. That's, I said, uh, at this point, right? Yeah. So at this point, it's one of those things where, um, not unlike Lex Luthor finding out that Clark Kent is Superman and just not believing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure there had been multiple times where Doc Ock found out that Peter was Spider-Man and he's like, oh no, this is just someone playing a trick on me. There's no way that this boy could be Spider-Man and then he'd leave, right? Right. Um, so like I said, they touch on that a little bit in Spectacular. Uh, obviously Kane is a little bit more lurking around, not as big as a presence here yet as he is in the Ben Riley stuff. Uh, you mentioned about the whole thing of Peter having those visions, those dreams of him being in the back to tank or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Not unlike Luke after his uh, Corvette accident in Corvette summer. <laughs> yeah. Have you ever seen that movie, Joe? But anyway. Uh, yes, I have. Okay. <laughs> so, um, obviously... We're at this point. This is information we're being led to believe and informed about these visions that Peter is having. What do they mean? What could they lead to? <sighs> okay, convolution is um, now on the cover of this issue. I love the fact that it says the last Spidey Doc Ock saga of all time begins here. Now, Todd, I I, I look here and I see this is Amazing Spider Man issue three ninety seven. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm almost certain that there were big Doc Ock Spider-Man sagas, at least in issues 500 and 700. But this was the last, this was the last one. Yes. What was the last issue? And then wasn't there a big one in 800? Yes. There was a big one in 800 as well. (laughs) That's right. Which made people rip up their comics, Joe. Oh boy. Now, uh, stunner, new character, uh, she's with Doc Ock. They're romantically linked. If we get her origin during the course of us, and I don't remember if we do or we don't, um, if we do, great. If we don't, I'll tell you what it is because it's kind of interesting. Okay, fair enough. Didn't uh, MJ become Stunner at some point? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. That doesn't sound okay, like I, a thing that would happen. Okay, I don't know why. But uh, so we... we What's what's I don't have the issue down. Spectacular Spider-Man two twenty. Right in my notes, I thought I wrote it down, but I didn't. Um, but basically, in the in the last issue, we cut to Ock has taken him to his lab, Spider-Man Peter, and he's going to try and fix him. Um, so while that's going on, like you know, he's working on stuff, talking to you know uh, Stunner about like you know you. She's like, well, what is this guy you you talk so highly about? And he's like, yeah, if it was in his heyday, you wouldn't have got a you wouldn't have got a uh, you know a knuckle on him. Wouldn't have happened. And I kind of like that. And while he's trying to fix him, he ends up calling Aunt May, and he finds out that she's had the stroke or she's sick, whatever she had. I know she's bedridden. Um, but I do like this. Like, there's like. I will say this is, other than the story in 800 and Superior Spider-Man, this is the most interesting Ock has ever been to me. Like, him legitimately having a soft spot for May. And, because like I said, I do remember, know of the fact that they were together for a little bit. They dated. And he he's like, oh my God, like, she's, you know, I don't know how it's going to turn out for her, but I can't do anything for her right now. So I, the only thing I can do is I'm going to do everything I can to fix the light of her life. And I'm like... This is all like really good. Like all the Ox stuff has been really, really good in this. And he ends up like figuring out that he has, he has some thing like concoction that he makes. But while, uh, 
this is going on. MJ goes to Aunt May's bedside. And she's like, I'm back. He's talking about how like Peter has changed again. Yes. She, she has something to tell him and he doesn't, she doesn't know how all that's going to go. So that's kind of, kind of interesting. But then like Doc Ock gives, gives him the, the juice, if you will. And it wakes Peter up, but he goes into like a steroid fueled rage and starts bouncing around and like stunner tries to stop him. And, and, you know, but in the end, like he just conks out from like lack of energy and instead of falling to his death, Ock saves him. And he's like, okay, like he should be good. Now I've given him a new lease, blah, blah, blah. Um, while this is going on, Kane is still walking around wandering, like, like with MJ, like, Oh, you know, you're going to die crying. Um, so Peter wakes up and he's like, my fever's gone. I feel better. Like, that must have been a fever dream of Doc Ock saving me because he never would. But I feel 100% better. He starts joking, and I'm like, "All right, we're getting our we're getting the Peter that we like back. Maybe Doc Ock did fix him, kind of a deal. So we'll have like the cool Peter. He gets back, uh, runs into MJ. They kind of don't know what to say to each other, and they have that moment like they look away. And at this point. I noticed it's not JM obviously writing anymore. This was overwritten. This was done terribly. The whole thing of them meeting in the apartment and it was so overblown and like just overwritten. And I was like, I don't care. But then they end up like, you know, like, Oh, like I'm, I think things are changing. They get back together. They have a great night. And even like, pervert doc ock in his trench coat watching through the windows like i've done it i can go home now and he he leaves and they have like pizza and you know have a nice romantic evening and then doc ock gets home and apparently for you know notices he forgot to carry the one or something and the the serum isn't going to work it's barely will last till morning um peter realizes that he's getting sick again and they both have something to tell each other uh, Peter's going to be like, I have this disease. I don't know if I'm going to survive, but MJ drops. We're having a baby on him. And that's the end of the issue. And I'm like, Oh, okay. I vaguely remember, you know, the whole thing of them having a kid, if you will. Um, and that goes completely sideways. I, I vaguely remember, but, uh, and I also like the fact that this was uh Sal Buscema art, if I'm correct, but then Sienkiewicz finishes. So both books looked, Really nice. Have no problem with any of the art. Okay. So kind of addressing less the story and the uh, the bits that happened in this and more so the creative process. You had mentioned about how this being a little bit overwritten, right? Mm-hmm. Previous issue, you know, the two issues in the web of death stuff. One is written by Jam DeMattis. This is written by Tom DeFalco. Tom DeFalco is a perfectly serv- serviceable writer. Um, you know, you need to get your story out in time. Tom's your guy to go to. He's an editor. He's a writer. <laughs> but I feel as though rereading this now that Tom was attempting to ape the J.M. DeMatty style since they were paired up on like this half of the crossover. And I feel as though Tom comes off as a poor, like doing a very poor job of aping J.M.'s style. I, I totally agree. I totally agree, especially on that that scene. You know what I mean? Like, yes. But I think he did do better on the Doc Ock stuff. You know? Okay. Now, again, bear in mind, these books came out in 1994, 1995. Mm-hmm. As we're reading this, I would have been 17, right? Right. Uh, I like Sal Buscema. I like Sal Buscema's art, right? 
I like Bill Sienkiewicz. Bill Sienkiewicz is a good artist. Uh, I remember at the time hating the art in this because of how heavy the inks were on right. Sal Buscema's art. Like you look at, there's we're going to come up with some other issues down the road where there's a different, like Sienkiewicz isn't doing the ink. And Buscema's art looks like completely different because it's not so heavily inked in Sienkiewicz's style. Oh, well, when any, anytime you put Sienkiewicz on anybody, he Sienkiewicz's the heck out of it. Right. And like, I wasn't aware that that was a thing in, two, in 1994. I might have been made aware of that being a thing in like 2007 or 2008. Hmm, I wonder how. And I'm very aware of it being a thing in 2021. Okay. Uh, but going back, I, I, with that knowledge, I'm like, okay, I don't hate this art as much as I did when I was 17, 18, because I understand why this is so heavily inked. Mm-hmm. But this was perfectly acceptable. Um, you know, the jam issue's stronger. Um, this issue gets the big hook of MJ announcing that they're pregnant. And uh, I'm sure that won't uh, won't be an issue further down the road. No, couldn't be. Right. <laughs> so next week, not as many issues, but still issues. Mm-hmm. As it's just two and two next week, it's the next two parts of Web of Death, Amazing Spider-Man 398 and Spectacular 221. And then... Jonah Hex 16 and 17. Very straightforward. Yeah, it'll be pretty straightforward from here on out, I think. Uh, nothing too, too crazy uh, going forward. While you're over at longboxheroes.com, uh, be sure to check out our store where you can buy shirts and pins and stickers directly from me. Get them shipped right out as soon as I can get to the post office, which for you will be sooner than later. Uh, you can also head over to our T Public store. We actually had some sales this weekend when they had their sale. Uh, Their next sale is coming up March 10th, 11th, and 12th, where everything is 35% off. So, you know, they have a wide variety of things that you can get logos and images inspired by this show and After Dark and add-outs with wrestling and Final Wrestling Plays. But like I said, don't buy this week. Buy next week, 10th, 11th, 12th, where uh, everything is 35% off. Totally. Also, sign up for our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. Uh, I would say probably one of the best values in Patreon additional content sort of things. You get two extra shows every month from Todd and I. One is previewing the past, uh, where we look at this year or this month, 30 years ago's previews, uh, where I think the dollar folks um have already gotten february we'll be recording march for the five dollar and up folks this weekend march 1991 that is and then the other show is six never seen movies where todd picks six movies i've never seen i pick six movies todd's never seen the dollar folks will be getting highlander this weekend (laughs) and then at the end of this month we'll be recording i'm gonna get you sucka which was assigned by me right uh, also, uh, and, uh, the $5 and up folks also get after dark, like three days before everyone else so that you can listen to things in the correct listening order, which we're going to throw a wrinkle in here tonight. Uh Oh, 
<laughs> uh, another way they can help us out, of course, is by making any and all of your purchases through the Amazon click-through at the top of the page over at longboxheroes.com. Does not charge you anything extra. They call it an advertising fee. I call it the thing that makes Todd happy at the end of the month when he gets his cut of the advertising fee. Mm-hmm. Some of the notable purchases through the click-through this past week include the Pet Maker 18-inch foldable pet ramp. Uh, I don't know why you would bring something into your house to encourage your animals to climb on your furniture, but you do you, partner. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody purchased Expo brand low-odor dry erase markers. Hmm. I don't know why you'd get the low-odor ones. I don't want none of them high-stink dry eraser markers. That's right. Uh, someone, and I'm assuming maybe the same person, purchased one of those big giant tubs of uh, whey protein powder, uh, PB2 original powdered peanut butter, and Giardelli chocolate squeeze bottle sauces. Mmm, that Ghidorah chocolate sauce is pretty good. <laughs> that is actually really good. You keep mm-hmm. the caramel for yourself. I'll take the chocolate and just drink right. it right out of the bottle. <laughs> Boy, just hook it to my veins. And somebody also purchased the complete series of Manimal. Oh, good I'm taste. I'm on DVD, I guess. I don't know. Oh, I'm hoping it's on vinyl. <laughs> we almost, I think Manimal might have been in the running at one point for being like one of the Patreon bonus shows, I think. Oh, I have a whole bunch of Patreon bonus shows that we could have done, so. I think we're good for like the, ne- like, uh, uh, at least the non-previews one, we're good for a while. Oh, well, the previews one we're going to be doing for 10 years, yeah. but it's the other one. It's when we have to do the, you know, we do the poll every year, so. So, um, thank you to anyone and everyone who makes those purchases through the Amazon click-through. Uh, we did have a little bit of a scare about a month or so ago, but everything's cool. Everything's good. We appreciate any and all support whether it be making those purchases, signing up for the Patreon, uh, buying shirts from Public, buying stuff directly from us, or even just telling a friend, sharing the show, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Todd, did we have any art attacks this week? We did have a few art attacks. Um, Dan from Concierge Comics, he wrote in, he said, so can this count as a Todd's art attack? Does it help there's a Doctor Doom card, even if it's not his rookie? Um, oh, it's the most art artistic thing i've ever done and then there's a picture but also it's a you know a quote tweet of what he did and it's one of my proudest greek geek achievements was creating my very own marvel card game in the mid-2000s with the help of some friends we did it all with nothing more than playing cards stick glue scissors and microsoft word surprisingly it still holds up today so then each of the cards has like powers made and the art is like you know like a cutout art it's not like he drew it or anything but he ended up creating all the powers and how they fight and everything and he has a dr doom card so right off the bat that you know slides you know right in to home base on this but uh i find this fascinating and that's way more motivated than i have ever been in my entire life joe that is too cool but absolutely and to still have it is another thing and the fact that it still holds up is yet another thing so kudos to you dan for being more creative than uh todd and i are just talking to a microphone every week right combined yes um also rebecca's art did some abstract hair with the character and i kind of like that that it's you know the like there's a lot of work there but there's also a minimalist style 
to the hair. So like really works. So I really enjoy that piece. Obviously we look at Rebecca's stuff every week uh, and have done so for the last many, many weeks, but I like the fact that I could probably pick her art out of a lineup at this point. Yes. There's certain telltales. Yes. Her and in a good way, her style is very much shining through very noticeable, very recognizable, very much her own. And that's, a very, I think that's a very big thing that when you become an artist is that in addition to your signature that you have your signature. Right. Everybody starts aping somebody and then they grow into their own artist. Right. Exactly. So um, I put one up and also T-Bolt 712. They're going to go together. Um, for me, it's my, this is my P. Craig Russell Sandman sketch that was one of the rewards for funding his last art book. Uh, glad to finally have it after a long delay due to COVID because it was supposed to be here March, March April 2020. But it only appeared this week, not at, through any fault of the guy running the 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 funding project or anything it was because the book was being printed in china so they shut down all the printing over there had to wait for it to come have no problem i got it you know he had a track record of seven uh funding projects before this all landed on time granted none of them had covid at the time so i was good with it and also t-bolt said uh hey todd's art attack your eyes do not deceive you i too backed that project and got a sandman sketch from Pete craig russell the line work is super clean and i love the detailing in the cloak the whiteout on top of the ink looks really neat in person too because all the drops all the stars on the on the cloak not the lines and the swoops but that's all like if he took a pen and just like slap like just fl- like flicked it at the page yep. so white white outlands now they're they're cookie cutter versions and i've seen everybody else who got the sandman there were three choices it was elric Broomhilda from something that he did and sandman and they all look exactly like except for like there's little differences in the swirls and stuff like that so i don't know if he light boxes them but i don't care the joke that's been going around on, online is there are many p craig russell sandmans but this one is mine <laughs> No, so again, at first glance, they look the same. Mm-hmm. But with the bare minimum, just stop and look, you could see the differences. Mm-hmm. You could even, and I know that you had said, like, maybe he light boxes them. If there's a way that you could put the two of them together and look at the neck, okay? Mm-hmm. The line of the neck and where the hair is. Right. The hair on yours does not come down as far on his neck as it does on Josh's. Right. And if I was to maybe lay them together, the shadowing on Josh's chin is darker than yours. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that gives the appearance with that line and the hair and everything else it gives. And I'm not saying this is a bad thing or a, a good thing. I'm saying this is your differences um, so while he may have light boxed them, as you said, there are definitive differences, different widths, different lengths, different little things that you could see here. And I'm sure uh, uh, P. Craig Russell probably did a bunch of them. He could probably do this drawing in his sleep at this point, mm-hmm. and they would be 90% the same. I totally agree. Yeah. So thanks to anyone and everyone, Todd included, of course, who uh, participated in Todd's Art Attack this week. Now, before we get into a spoiler-filled discussion of WandaVision, the penultimate episode of WandaVision, 
If you are a $5 patron and you've listened to the correct listening order, <laughs> then you've probably already listened to After Dark. Right. If you have not and you're waiting until Friday when After Dark comes out, you may want to skip ahead like two minutes. Okay. Because I got a message from Mr. 499. Okay. I didn't read it. I'm reading it on the air for the first time. Oh, no. I hope it's good news. Uh, long and short is, he says that it just wouldn't be worth the time. Of course it wouldn't. He wants the, the big money. Good luck. Oh, well. With that being said, thank you everyone for listening to episode 544 Longbox <laughs> Heroes. Uh, we're going to take a brief pause so we can uh, write down our time codes and get into that discussion of Wanda and Vision. Not WandaVision, Wanda and Vision. Okay. Have you seen the glut of marketing online and the memification of it was Agatha all along? Just a smidge, yes. Uh, I think. So I came into. I woke up on Monday. And, you know, I do my uh, Marvel Insider to get my points. For my uh, Marvel Puzzle Quest stuff, right? Right. And they uh, have a whole page of Ag- it was Agatha all along merchandise. It's as though they'd been waiting on this for months. <laughs> um, and I think, and I think it's just because you can like mass market these things like at a bl- in a blink of an eye, you know? Right. Um, they like I think the episode aired on Friday and that afternoon you were able to buy Funko Pops based on the way the characters looked in the episode. Okay. Um, both Agatha and Vision. <laughs> so yeah. it's just so funny that like this stuff, like what if uh, it was Agatha all along didn't hit? Um, well, I guess they got to, I forget who they said they got to do the theme song was somebody who had written like, like catchy award-winning tunes beforehand. So they were kind of like, you know, we're, we're hoping on this one. You know what I mean? I think it would have landed, not landed the way it did is if you just had Funko Pops and merchandise, it would, you know, it'd be like, all right, we're going to sell regardless. Um, but you got lucky and had the, the hook, if you will, you know? Was it Paul Anka who wrote the theme? I don't know. Off the top of my head. Okay. So that's who they got to stop. That's who they got to stop the uh, advertising monsters in uh, The Simpsons. Oh, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) You had me there for a second. Right. Uh, But there's tumblers and shirts and water bottles and phone covers and coffee mugs. um, Of all your favorite Agatha all along items. God. Now I saw someone say, and I haven't gotten a chance to go back and watch the episode, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that the 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 ditty behind it Is was in every episode. Oh, really? Yes. So Can I don't have the that? sort of time in my life, as we've discussed on previous shows, to go back and listen to all, watch the previous episodes to hear the ditty. 
right. for the Agatha all along. No, I get you. Yeah. So that being said, this episode was Agatha taking Wanda back through her life before the Avengers, before Age of Ultron, during the Avengers movies to find out why. Why she has this power. Why she has this ability to be able to shape reality at a, at, on a whim. Right. And we get a lot of information about Wanda's past, her childhood growing up. And I would be remiss to mention friend of uh, at least some of the shows on the soon-to-be-named network, my friend Tom, tweeted out uh, saying that he feels old, and Tom's not old, but you and I are old, that in a show in 2021, they could do a bit of, here's some nostalgia with DVD box sets. Remember those? Yep. Yep. I still buy DVD box sets. Somebody I'm the last D- one doing it. Somebody just bought a DD- DVD box set of Manimal, we hope. so. Right. I didn't see that in the case for Wanda, oh. that Wanda's family had. That would have been great. They had Manimal. Or they had all 28 seasons of the the classic Doctor Who would have been way better. No, no, no. I don't think so. But before all of that, we do get a little bit of Agatha's origin um, where it makes it look as though she's going to be put at the Salem witch trials, but it's a witch trial of a different style because (laughs) she is being put on to be burned by her own coven because she betrayed them. Um, And it turns out she became privy to some sort of knowledge or power that was too much for her at her age. But that was able, as they all attempted to burn her alive, she defended herself. They all had like blue power. She has purple power. She was able to overtake all of them, including her mother. And she turned them into dried out husks, which is very fun for all you folks that are watching a fun, cute Marvel show about sitcoms and all sorts of ju- <laughs> stuff like that. It's like, here's some dried-out husks. Enjoy your cute TV show. Give the give the guy, the sound guy an Emmy for the sound of those dried-out husks. They're sickening thud when they hit the ground. Mm-hmm. But I do like the fact anytime, because like she's like, they're, they put her on the stake, and you kind of realize that something's up when the, they bind her with magic. So you're like, okay. It's not that they're burning her for a witch, because why would they use magic to do it? And I'm like, oh, and you start to see what's going on. And then when she's like, it wasn't my fault. It, the magic came to overtook me. We can fight it. And I love when an evil person does the innocent routine. And then at one per one person just goes like, give it up. And then there's that like flick of the switch where like, ah, okay, I tried kind of a deal. That is a trope that I never get tired of. Love it. And I think she like, the actress who plays Agatha, like, just nailed that that part, you know? So, so that's where we get Agatha taking Wanda through all these different doors through her past to try to find out essentially how, and, like, she's kind of explaining what's been going on. How, mm-hmm. essentially, Wanda has been doing this running her magic on autopilot. Right. Without really having to concentrate and focus and continuing to be active in it, she just has this radius around her. 
And maybe I didn't quite catch it, but I don't think we really get a definitive answer as to how outside of the, we know we have the bit where she touches the infinity stone after their kids and they're watching with the parents, they're watching the DVD box sets. That's how they're assisting learning English. There's the bombing that takes out the parents. Then we see her in with Hydra. She comes in, she states her name and she states that she's there as a volunteer. She touches the 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 tesseract you would call no. it no. no it was inside a blue sphere but it turned out to be the mind stone that was right. what was in the the staff because it was able to make mind control everybody remember you touch somebody and you'd be like you, you, they do whatever you said yes. so which i find interesting because she touches that so but oh, what, so it's in that blue whatever she touches it and that's when it's revealed as the the mind one but on the video, we don't see any of that. Like, the, that, that gets wiped from the video. Right. And she has a vision, pun intended, of somebody coming to see her. And it looks like somebody in the silhouette of a Scarlet Witch costume. Okay. Do you remember that at all or no? Yes. Okay. So, I at first thought it was Mantis with, like, the... the like honest to God, like Guardians of the Galaxy, like the antenna. And then I rewound it. I'm like, it looks like she's wearing a, a Scarlet Witch costume. So I think it's either Scarlet Witch uh, talking to herself, or the, wasn't there somebody who was? Wasn't her mother also a Scarlet Witch? Well, so okay, so that's the thing. And I guess we have to jump around just a little bit, sorry, because we get to the end of the reveal, and I don't know if it had the same punch. Or it didn't have the punch for me that it, I hope maybe it had the punch for you that it didn't have for me that I think that they were intending where we get the bit at the end where Agatha says, you're ass Scarlet Witch, as opposed to you're the Scarlet Witch, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm not as up on these sort of things to really know that there's a difference between being Scarlet Witch and the Scarlet Witch or a Scarlet Witch, if that any of that makes sense. No, I get you. I get you. Okay. But I, so, I don't know. Oh, go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, I don't know why I vaguely remember, because I'm not a big like Scarlet Witch and Vision, but I know some, a friend of mine was years ago, was a big Scarlet Witch fan. But I do believe like later on, somewhere along the line, it was a title that was passed down, I think. Like if you if you were then that wherever they come from like uh, Sokovia kind of a deal, and I'm wondering if we're gonna get the whole thing that they weren't Wanda and Pietro's real parents they were adopted parents and we're swerving into this this Scarlet Witch version of her mother and maybe somebody who was her father you know right so like I said the, the we don't get a clear shot. It definitely has, like, the two little peaks that are on the top of, like, what we know is the comic book Scarlet Witch costume. But we don't get a clear enough look, and I don't think we're supposed to know who it is. Right. Uh, so then the next step is after um, Scarlet Witch is kind of cooped up at the Avengers Mansion. She's sitting alone in the room watching the TV. And Vision kind of comes in. It's been her his task to kind of comfort her to make sure that she stays there. And that's where they have this heart-to-heart conversation. This is, like, technically the beginning of their relationship. And this is a scene that kind of got memefied over the weekend regarding the dialogue here, right? Right. 
Um, you know, it was a touching scene. Yeah, who knew the robot had heart, Joe? Yeah. Did you like the line though about persevering? Or did yeah, you, you think know, it was fine. Okay, I didn't know if you thought it was because there's some people who really loved it, and there's a lot of people who thought it was too corny. I am uh, somewhere between it was all right and really liking it, like somewhere in there. I thought yeah, that yeah. was a really good line. It was really good for a comic book movie, uh, for a normal movie, you know. I guess comic book movies are normal movies at this point. Um, you know, it was a little flowery of the prose for me, but it's nothing that we wouldn't see in a comic book of this ilk, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's not like it's like, oh man, this was like some of the greatest dialogue I've ever seen in something. I'm like, no, it was fine. You know, it was exactly what it needed to be. Right, but it's gonna live on, Joe. Yes. Ugh. Something something will happen Wednesday, and everyone will forget about it. Right. Well, then that the final episode because I want to. Yes. When we get to the end of this talk, I have a few questions for you. But go ahead. So then we get to the scene of Wanda going to Sword to get the vision to see the vision. In a flashback, yeah. Um, right, in a flashback, this is, you know, Agatha still taking her back through these things, right? hmm So, we, previous episodes, have been led to believe that Wanda came in, like, fist of flying, you know, blazing, and steals the Vision's body. hmm This tells us a different story. That she shows up, and they're kind of trying to, like, oh, no, you know, you really can't. And they're like, okay, well, if this is what you want to see, we're going to show you. And the vision is just kind of like all taken apart in pieces. Right. Um, she freaks out. Uh, she goes down there. And as she's touching his head, she essentially says, I can't feel you anymore. Mm-hmm. That he's gone. And then she just kind of goes out to her car. And in the car, she has something, a piece of paper, a folder, whatever it is. Uh, this is when she drives to uh, Westville. And, uh, you know, listen, I don't know if we have uh, listeners in New Jersey or not, but it looks like any sort of dump town, a couple exits off 80 east in New Jersey. <laughs> yep. Um, we see a lot of familiar faces, people that we've gotten to know over the past several issues beforehand. She drives her car to a place that's just an empty lot. And she opens it up, and inside is a deed that the vision has wrote, written in uh, for us to uh, for us to grow old in. So she has a big reaction to this. She, out of nothing, creates the house. She turns the entire town into like the Dick Van Dyke town that we saw in episode one, and then she essentially recreates the vision from scratch. Right. And that kind of leads us to where we are. Um, we're, you know, then shown that this has all been like set up like a TV show with a studio audience that Agatha's in. She has the boys kind of being held captive. And then that's when we get the bit where Agatha says, you're a Scarlet Witch. Right. And I just want to go back to when she attack was she goes to, to like the vision's body. I was all 100% in on the head of sword, uh, what was his name? Hey, Haywood, Hayward, whatever. She's like, I'm here to like, give him a burial. That was like, that's what we should do. We should honor him. And he's like, yeah, that's great. But I can't just let you take $3 billion worth of vibranium, you know, a sentient weapon and like, just go buried in the ground somewhere. Like, and I'm like, 
you know what? In my weird brain, I'm like, I, you know what? I agree with this guy. Like, you just can't leave $3 billion worth of vibranium for somebody. You know somebody's going to try and dig it up. You know what I mean? But then, like, she leaves. She doesn't take the body. And he puts... He puts the, you know, the blame on her that she stole the body and create all this. Like whatever he's, you know, up to, like he's com- completely off the bend line now into villain territory. You know what I mean? So right. I just, I, I, I just thought that was a real interesting swerve. So. And then our post credit sequence, we find out that they do actually have the vision still. Um, the vision that we've been watching this whole time has just been a creation of Wanda's. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back online and he is the fully white vision that we've right. seen in the comic books. Do you know why they made him white in the comics like that? I do not. Okay. Because originally back in the day when they created him, the vision in the, cause he's the vision. It was supposed to be like ghostly. They wanted him to be white originally and they're like we they didn't have the technology in the in the silver age that if they wanted him white they just wouldn't have added any coloring so he would have been the page color if you know what i mean yeah so they were like well that's not going to work with what we have now so they ended up making them they didn't want purple like a couple of colors that they're like we've been reusing like the the, so they went with green red and yellow and they're like all right that's going to go so when they did this whole storyline in west coast avengers which is a billion dollar book by now um it they were like let's do what the original idea and make him white in the comic. So they did that in the in the show. Like I was like, I just thought that was a real interesting like story to hear. Like, oh, the the vision would have been a completely different color, and now we can't see him any other way. And I always heard a lot of people when they changed him to white in West Coast Avengers, everybody's like, I hate this because they had been come so accustomed to the classic look of him. You know what I mean? Right. So, but so watching it. Um, I didn't like it as much talking about it. I like a lot more. Right. Getting now, a lot of the stuff that's inside my head out about mm-hmm. it, you know? I get you. I, I, I really liked the episode. I liked the whole, like, story of Scarlet Witch, you know? Like, just like her past told, and we got more information, we found out why she has a nostalgia for the old TV shows, stuff like that. So I, I liked it way more than you, and as we're talking about it, I like it just as much. Yep. But, so- uh... Were those, what other did you have any other questions? Yes. Um, just real quick, this has nothing to do with what's going to be in the next episode. But when we were seeing the, the, the post credit scene, was that a spaceship or something that they had that we were like, all we have to do is power it up? Like, did they have something? I couldn't make up what that black thing was. It looked like a Quinjet, but. Hmm. I, I assumed when they said all we have to do is power it up, they were they were referring to the vision himself. Right. But then there was like a weird color over the black. So I wasn't sure. But my question is, there's rumors of a cameo in the next episode. Do you have any guesses as to who that might be? No. Um, Just from the way that people are talking, I assume that it's going to be possibly Reed Richards, like whatever the Reed Richards is going to be in the Marvel Cinematic Universe sort of things. But I'm basing that on just a bunch of people speculating as well. Right, because they said that... So, okay, okay. Um, as I'm kind of revisiting some of this stuff, I'll go back to your, your, your question about the ship in a second. Go ahead. 
but because they did like, cause there's a couple of things that they've left like hanging in all of this. Mm-hmm. One of them is obviously she went to see an astrophysicist, but the person who gave her that buggy photon who gave her the buggy, I don't think was an astrophysicist. I just thought was a regular soldier. So I don't know if we met the astrophysicist because if we did, it was a real letdown when everybody was like, Oh, it's going to be a cool cameo. Um, uh-huh. the, ca- the cameos that I think is either going to be Dr. Strange because we're getting into the magic world. And he has a movie coming up next year. It's Samuel L. Jackson coming back to take over Sword because he, apparently the last we saw him, he was in space with Spider Man. And that's the next big Marvel movie, not counting Shang-Chi and Eternals. That it, it's going to lead into that like infinite worlds kind of thing that they're hinting at with Spider Man. But the one that I really want it to be, other than Reed, is I would really love for Dick Van Dyke to actually get a cameo in this show, to show up and like be with the Scarlet Witch, like because that was her favorite show during all of this. I would kill, and also for Dick Van Dyke to get that payday. You know what I mean? <laughs> Well, what if, you know, um, one some would say that the original design of Reed back in the 60s was probably very Dick Van Dyke-esque. Yep, definitely. And what if they kind of de-aged current-day Dick Van Dyke to be Reed? Right, but then you'd be stuck with that look for a while. And, like, and there'd be no way around it in these sci-fi movies, Joe. Yeah. I mean, look at like what they did with Pietro. He looks exactly like we saw him back in Age of Ultron. <laughs> Uh, so lastly, the, the thing right before they power up the vision, right? You said there was like a ship, a thing. Right. Um, I think that was the drone that they sent in. Okay. Because it had like all like red, like Wanda powers and like whatever around it. Okay. And I think that was one of the drones that they had attempted to send in that still had like Wanda powers on it or something. I think maybe that's what they needed to power up the vision possibly they sent it in that was part of his operation cataract because when you said it was a quinjet i'm thinking a big thing and i'm like i didn't remember like a big thing i remember like a little thing like a model or something okay but i'm almost certain that it was one of the like one of the drones that they tried to send in to the hex because i remember it was like in a thing it was like in a big case that had like blue lights and then had like the red wand of smoke around it right that's what it was had that tinge of red yeah Fair enough. That makes more sense. I couldn't, I was looking at it and my brain wasn't telling me what it looked like. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So. All right. So I think that's enough show. I think that is. All right. So now for real ending episode 544 of Long Box Heroes. For Todd, this is Joe saying thanks everyone for listening. And we'll see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.